everyone, and welcome to the show. This is episode number 54 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about season four of Parks and Rec on your, come on, give me it, podcast. I'm Andy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. This month we wanted to let you know about a campaign we're taking part in this year called Two Pods a Day. It aims to introduce podcast listeners to two independent podcasts every day in January and February. We hope to give visibility to some of the great indie podcasts that you probably haven't heard of. Two Pods a Day encourages you to listen more, listen indie. You can find more shows like this one by following the hashtag Two Pods a Day. That's the number two pods a day on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we're taking part and there's loads of really interesting shows that we've been listening to, which... Oh, my word, my podcast list is so long, but these are really good shows. So this uh, week we are talking about season four of Parks and Rec. It aired in 2011 and 2012, and it largely covered Leslie's campaign for city council as well as her relationship with Ben. And this season, Paul Rudd guest starred as Leslie's opponent, Bobby Newport. So after uh, we watched season three last month, what did you think was going to happen? What was your expectation for this season? Well, of course, I expected to love it because I'm kind of in that groove now with Parks and Rec. Um, I think I said that I expected Anne to become full time at, at City Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, I expected Ben and Leslie to stay together, or at least I hoped Ben and Leslie would stay together, and for April and Andy to stay together. And one out of three ain't bad, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> April, uh, Anne is effectively full-time now. Like, they don't really talk about her nursing. And, and when she's under threat of being sacked, Leslie even says, like, you don't want to go back to nursing. Like, but she's still doing that, right? Yeah, um, because I think the the whole point was that that particular category of employee that, that Pilsner was getting rid of were part-time. Mm. I think. Maybe. But she was, I mean, she was always there. Okay, so yeah, we'll go with two out of three. How about that? Good. Although Ben and Leslie got back together. Yes, they did. Um, right. You, yeah, you were definitely into it last time. You were really enjoying it. You, I think, were very grateful to be made to be watching it. Um, yes. Has that continued? Are you still enjoying this show? Oh, yeah. I breezed through these episodes so quickly because I just couldn't stop watching them. Hmm. This season is a lot more serialized. It is. It really is. It was more of like one cohesive story with just a few things sprinkled through that were, you know, extra. Mm-hmm. And I am a sucker for that kind of thing. So I really, really liked it. Good. I think everyone is going to be very glad. Uh, like you said, Leslie is still the the front of this ensemble. It is very much her show. Uh, the, the, the sequence of the season, it deals with her relationship with Ben. It deals with her writing the book on Pawnee, literally. Uh, it deals with... Did I use that right? <laughs> it deals with her trial and the outcome of her relationship with Ben and the consequences of that. And then the second half of the season is, is exclusively that city council run. Yes. Yes. Thoughts on that? Like like you say, they did break up for a bit, but it didn't really last or hold. I liked it. I mean, I, it hurt my heart that they broke up. But they did it really well in the show. I think in my notes, I, I typed something like I literally squealed in the End of the World episode when Leslie showed up at Ben's house to see if Shauna had spent the night. Yeah. Because it was it was cute and it was adorable and they both knew what 
each other was doing. You know, it was very obvious they still have feelings for each other. And it was it was one of those things where, of course, I wanted them to get back together, but watching them apart and still sneaking those glances with each other and, mm-hmm. and you know, doing the UN fight, the model UN fight that they did, um, it was... It was interesting to watch, and it was funny, but it still kind of kept them together. Yeah. And so I wasn't super, super disappointed because I – I mean, I assumed they were going to end up getting back together because there's no way you have that much chemistry together and you don't get back together. Mm. And then, yeah, that takes us into the trial where she's the lead of the show. So, yes, it's the trial of Leslie Nope, but Ben doesn't appear to be getting anything from this. Like getting any flack about it or going through any of the same. Maybe they were going to do it next, but... That was my understanding, was that they had to do her first, or they were doing Leslie's trial first, and then they were going to do Ben's. Hmm. But they ended up not having to do it because Ben came forward and had the the meeting with Chris and resigned in disgrace. So you didn't find anything... Obviously, the world is slightly different now, but still the, the fact that they tarnish the woman and go after her for having a relationship with someone no because i really felt like they were going to do the same thing to ben okay i'm kind of playing devil's advocate because i think the same thing but yeah Yeah. (laughs) um the ending of that episode the trial where we find out what ben has done how big were your heart eyes (laughs) oh so big so big i think my notes were wonderful wonderful i'm so happy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is awful because he quit his job but he quit his job for her yeah and and it's yeah. a completely acceptable outcome because she loves her job that much and he is just there doing the job and yeah. he'd rather have the relationship so it is it is a great outcome it's very well done yeah mm. i mean she was willing to be fired for it and so for him to step up and do that i think was was the right call yeah um, in between that, we have the episode Born and Raised about her having written the book on Pawnee. I, I, I do love the thing that she was actually born in Eagleton because you can understand her mum's reasons for doing it. And I just love the, the, the bigotry on display against the, the Eagletonians. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's just one of those things where I chalk it up to just silly sitcom shenanigans mm. and just kind of whistle past it because I think it's dumb. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I do admit I quite enjoyed that story. I like it. It's it's a very nice twist. Having spent like three seasons worth building up this character to love Pawnee so much. Mm-hmm. And for that to have been the thing. And the way they deal with the gotcha journalism is also very funny. Satirizing it. Yeah, I, I think part of why I don't like it is because I don't like the journalist lady. What is her name? Joan? Jan? Joan Ca- Calamazzo, yeah. Yeah. I, I really don't like her. Okay. And and then so I think that probably tarnished my appreciation of this episode. But I did really, really like um, Leslie's speech at the end that it's not where you're born. It's, you know, where you live. Yeah, where you're from. Yeah. Where you're from. Yeah. Um, I, I did appreciate that. Leslie has the snack of always just getting to the heart of the matter mm-hmm. in that 11th hour. Yeah. And I really love that about her. Well, okay, I'm going to jump forward a bit then, because there's one other time that that makes me think of, which is the debate. Yes. Um, which is a very nicely crafted episode. Um, you are obviously a big West Wing fan as well. 
Uh, and it is very like the, the two big debate episodes that they do on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very much that is at the end, she comes up with exactly the right words. So- yeah, it, I was surprised by it, though, because she was like, let me attack him. Let me attack him. And then she didn't attack him at all. She just spoke from the heart and she spoke the truth mm. about her love of the city. And that's really what won everybody over. Yeah, it's very well done. I really, really loved like when she was having that conversation with Ben and, and she's trying to get Ben to let her do what she wants to do. And Ben's like, no, 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 you need to stick to what we wrote. She stops talking and she just gets this pure expression of calm on her face. And it's it's confidence. And I love that, mm. you know, and it's enough. Ben notices. He's like, OK, what's going on right here? And, and she's <laughs> like, no, I can do it. And he's like, OK. And. I thought that was a great moment. What's his line to her? Go get him or kick his ass, something like that? Yeah, kick his yeah. ass. <laughs> great. <laughs> um, the, so the debate episode, written and directed by Amy Poehler. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. That's nice. It, it's the sort of thing that often happens when shows run for a few seasons. But yeah, written and directed. Um, such a Leslie-centric episode as well. She was working overtime in that episode. Mm, it was good. Yeah. To the extent, I'm looking at the synopsis for that episode and it literally says, Leslie and Bobby Newport hold a debate. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Wikipedia. Um, It it also reminded me of some of the stuff you talked about for season three with Chris Traeger, uh, putting everything across so positively, particularly the way that he breaks up with Anne in season three. This -hmm. is the episode where they properly acknowledge it about his ability to spin anything and make anything super positive. Oh, yes. I loved... <laughs> where they asked hypothetically if Leslie farted and vomited <laughs> when she was asked a question, how do you spin that? Leslie Nope is literally overflowing with ideas for this town. And speaking of methane, have you heard about her plan to limit greenhouse gas emissions? But it was amazing. <laughs> literally <excellent>. overflowing. <laughs> really good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um the city council run, like I say, it, it dominates the season. Do you did you enjoy it? Did it come out to where you expected it to be? How do you react to it in this economy and this current political climate? So my my initial reaction, if I'm considering reality, is that I don't think city council elections are run like this. They yeah. ran the city council election like a presidential election. <laughs> yeah, I did wonder. Like, I'm gonna have to ask Mandy. Do they have a debate for a city councillor? Uh, no. No. <laughs> they don't do bus tours. <laughs> you know, they they would go door to door and probably do the calls and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, they, they ran this like a presidential election. And um, it wasn't a presidential election year. So 2012 was a presidential election year. So that's probably why they did that a little bit. But I really enjoyed watching it. I think watching Leslie go through it and watching the group grow with her and watching the relationship dynamic with the entire group grow as they work together in this capacity was wonderful. Hmm. It never even occurred to me that Leslie wouldn't win until the end of that last episode when it looked like she wasn't going to win before they did the recount. And... I mean, it's it's Parks and Rec. This is the Leslie Nope show. Of course she's going to win. And yeah. then they, they, like, had my heart stop for a few minutes. You know, I was like, what is Leslie going to do if she doesn't win this? Oh, my God. But then she won, and it was wonderful. 
Uh, we had a tweet from a uh, friend of the show, Jan, at JLMO, who said, Bobby Newport is fantastic, but in light of recent events, becomes slightly less funny. I was really worried for a moment that I'd missed, like, <laughs> oh, God, not Paul Rudd. Yeah. <laughs> He's an Avenger, surely not. Um, but but she meant very much about the the recent presidential campaign, about politics in America in general at the moment. Yeah. And yet there were moments watching this that I was like, Oh God, I'm not sure they'd write this now, and I'm not sure they'd almost they they're too soft compared to what has happened over the last year or two. Yeah, I I think I kind of feel like Parks and Rec was like maybe a little bit of having a premonition here. Yeah, <laughs> kind of writing the future a little bit. Very with with having Bobby Newport be so so very childish and clearly not knowing what's going on and just feeling like he's entitled. Mm-hmm. To have it because he has money is definitely an interesting way for the show to go, and not to get political. So I'm not going to say any more than that. Okay, <laughs> it is like you say; it's it feels a bit prescient for what eventually happens, but it is dealt with absolutely perfectly. He is always funny and slightly charming. Like, you can... Uh, there is an element of sympathy for him as a character. Um, but the way they bring in the, the hard-nosed uh, campaign manager to come and take them down, and that's who they end up actually battling against, effectively. Right. Um, I suspect because Catherine Harden was available for more episodes than Paul Rudd, probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that yeah. made it a little bit easier. I think his, his character wasn't really sympathetic until the last three episodes. Because before that, all we had really seen of him was was things like, oh, that hurts my feelings. Why are you so mean? And I want it. Come on, give me it. Give me it. Give me it. Come on, give me it. Just give me the election. You know, and then when we got the, to the debate, even though he, he did a little bit of that too, at the end of the debate, he was so excited. He ran up to Leslie and he's like, we did it. We got through it. You know, yeah. and he's like, a, like putting them on the same playing field because to him he doesn't see that difference because he's so childlike Mm. and so that was kind of sweet and then he did it again in in the bus tour when when they set leslie up to look like a terrible person because his father died um but he kind of steps up and and he's like no leslie's a great person and you know we've talked and everything is great and he did that on his own Mm -hmm. which i thought was really Mm. nice and then once the campaign was over he he did the same thing he ran up to her and he's like we got through it you know it's done this is amazing and i just i appreciated that about him but we didn't see that side of him until the end of the season yeah true Uh, and perhaps those were the episodes he was available for more Oh, that's a good point. We're talking about him as her opponent, but on the flip side of that, she is very much like the way we've seen women treated in politics over the last two presidential campaigns. And there's there's even one of her early lines about this campaign is, I'm a lifelong government bureaucrat who's well-versed in the issues, and those are the kind of sexy qualifications that win elections. <laughs> Again, it feels so on point about what eventually happens and the way that we've seen people treated. Yeah. Yeah, I... I would love to ask Michael Schur if they would write that in the same way, if they had the chance to do it over. Would they go even harder on the way that the Newport campaign behaves and what she does against them? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I appreciated... I I think it was a good contrast between Leslie and Ben during the campaign. Mm. I'm thinking particularly the, the episode where they did the ad. Yeah. 
and Leslie didn't want to go negative, and Ben was very much, we have to go negative. Bobby Newport. <laughs> Bobby Newport. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it, it showed very much Leslie's character that, that she did not want to win at any cost. You know, mm. she wanted to retain that integrity and dignity. And I really, really appreciated that they maintained that with her throughout the whole season mm. and the whole campaign. Because even at the end, when she does say she's going to attack him and smash him, she doesn't. No. She stays positive. You know, I mean, the worst thing she says about Bobby Newport is Bobby Newport thinks you can, he can buy your vote. Mm. And she's dead right. It's, she's it, absolutely it, dead it's right. It's a very well-crafted well speech. Speaking of speeches, mm-hmm. how wonderful was it that Ben didn't even write a concession speech for her because he was so convinced she was going to win? I'm not sure I believe that. I, I, watching it, I absolutely expected a shot of him shredding a speech. Okay. Huh. He's, he's just such a savvy oper- operator. Yeah. I think that's the show having its heart on its sleeve and wanting to do the nice thing. And yes, it is, it is very nice. It is lovely. Not sure I buy it. The hopeless romantic in me buys it. Yeah. The, the pragmatic, practical, logical me doesn't. <laughs> but the hopeless romantic in me wins, so nice. I buy it. Looking a bit wider, the other characters. So, so the the plots we've just talked about, they they really dominate the season. There's a few characters who don't get much at all. Um, Ron opens up with story, the story about Tammy, Tammy one, but then he is very much a, a player in other people's stories after that. And he has some character mm-hmm. things, but no actual plots of his own for the most part. Um, or quite often, it's in support of someone else. Uh, Jerry and Donna, very much the same. You mean Gary? Yeah, that's a nice moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did get get more of Jerry just because Chris dated his daughter, and mm. so we get did get you know several character moments there. Um, but they were just moments. Yeah. Do you buy that Millicent would tell Jerry she's going to break up with Chris, knowing they work together, and then do you think Jerry would tell his colleagues? Oh, I absolutely buy that Jerry would tell his colleagues. Right. Yes. Um, I, I don't know, because we don't know what Millicent and Jerry's relationship is like. We've never seen them have a father-daughter relationship. And so if they're very close, then absolutely she would tell him. If they're not, then no. So I can only go based on what the show told me. Okay. And so I, I, I did buy it. Okay. I think there are scenarios where that would happen. Other characters who got more this season. So Tom got quite a few stories. We had uh, several episodes of him running Entertainment 720. Didn't really come to win a thing. Yeah, running it into the ground. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they mined that for every bit of humor they could, but they didn't seem to do anything with it. I think my frustration with Tom is that while he got a lot more screen time this season... He really had no character development. Mm, I would definitely agree. Because, yeah, moving into the second part of the season, we then have him and Anne starting to date. (sighs) That was so bad. Yeah. Not the most natural. I've said, I think every time we've talked about it, that he is generally representative of toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. Looking a certain way, behaving a certain way, being into brands... 
um, buying, uh, being more into adverts than anything else in a magazine and so on. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think I realised that quite often what the show does is it shows that when he is that version of Tom, when he's into the look and the sound and, and the trends, he's a worse person than when he's just himself. But he's never just himself in front of other people. Yeah. And even the bit with Anne, you can kind of see it that when it's just the two of them, he can do it. But then he starts showing off or trying to be what he thinks he should be. And that's when he loses it every time. Like you say, he never learns from that. Never. Mm. And that was frustrating to me. I kind of had gotten to the point where I would have been interested to see if Tom could change. And I guess change is probably the wrong word, but stop projecting who he thinks he should be and actually be himself. If, if he could do that, if if it would be interesting to see him and Anne together. But we never got there because he he never did. All the way through to the end of the season, he was just dumb. You know, buying the hats, Tom and Tommy's girl. <laughs> and got the radio station thing. Yeah. You know, none of it was sweet. None of it was appropriate none of it was adult Mm. you know he's very childish and and so I didn't really buy the two of them together honestly I would buy Anne back together with Andy before I would buy her with Tom yeah and to the extent that when she seems interested in Chris he just gets petty and stupid yeah there's an opportunity there for him to step up and be like right I can take this guy because although he's fit I'm young and I'm hip or something but he just gets knocked because he knows he's not going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would like to see some character development for Tom in the future seasons. Yeah. Okay. We will try to note that down and return to that in future seasons and see if it happens. The other person who does get development um, is the person that I've sort of mentioned this for again every episode is April. Not so much an arc, but she takes on more responsibility both in in the actual department, obviously taking on some of Leslie's role towards the end, but also being the supportive one to, for her friends. She's the one who gets Tom and Anne together. She tries to help Chris when he's sad. And she is still always there for Ron. I was pleasantly surprised by April this season. Mm. I appreciated her trying to be nice. It was weird. <laughs> but I liked it. I'm sure you particularly liked that the project she takes on for the Parks and Rec department is trying to house uh, pets that are uh, animals that are up for adoption. Yeah. 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 And and her thing of like, I love pets, animals, because they're not people. People are trash. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, I hardcore related to April in that moment. Very much so. I was very surprised by the last episode where we have the story of her losing files on the computer and being all scared. It almost feels like, oh, guys, we haven't written anything for April to do. Hey, what about that backup B-plot we had on the shelf for ages? <laughs> I actually liked it, though, because hmm. by by showing it, her being that scared, it means that she has really grown and she loves this job and she loves these people and she doesn't want to lose it. Hmm, true. And two seasons ago, that wouldn't have happened. She would have been like, oh, I don't care. I lost all the files. Yeah. Um, and so I thought it was a nice moment. Um, it was a little bit weird that she was hiding under the table. But then, you know, when she calls Andy in and Andy's like, well, you did the right thing. You hid under the table. You realize, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is Andy in April. <laughs> Perfect. 
<laughs> so I liked it. I thought it was a nice mm. moment. I, I was very surprised that the finale of that story is that they listed all the jobs they wanted to do, and he generally listed FBI, police, security guard, jobs of that nature. Mm-hmm. And that she's saying to him, oh, you should go and like try and become a policeman. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was actually her story, and perhaps there should have been a thing of, hey, you didn't list anything, you should go and try and find something to do. Maybe they'll come back to that? Maybe. Pro- probably not, but... It just surprised me because it w- it starts off as her plot, but then the denouement is, oh, we're giving a future to Andy. Interesting. See, I didn't even pick up on that. Okay. It's very strange because she seems to be kind of mopey at the end when they're all sitting around. I think they're congratulating Leslie and they're all sitting around, but then she then turns to him and says, hey, you put down all these jobs that are like placement. Perhaps you should follow up on that. Okay, and what about her list? <laughs> it might yeah. be because I like Aubrey Plaza a lot, so... <laughs> give her more plots give her more to do she's excellent yeah well i mean leslie's gonna be city councillor now so mm. uh, you know she's she, april is gonna have the opportunity to continue to do more of leslie's job true be interesting to see how she takes to it yeah it, it was interesting to see her understand more of what leslie went through and what she had to deal with yeah i liked watching her try to run that meeting mm. <laughs> and and but she owned it she's like i have no idea what i'm doing you know but she was trying yeah all due respect miss Ludgate. do you even know what you're doing here all due respect mr hamster penis but no i don't the woman in the meeting who's questioning her is chelsea peretti who wrote the episode was story editor for this season of parks and rec and is one of the main characters on michael Schur's brooklyn 99 <laughs> oh yeah okay lovely so in between, actually in between recording season three and recording this episode, I've watched The Good Place. Uh-huh. So I'm now basically up to date on the Michael Scher shows. And it's been fascinating, <laughs> like, oh, wow, he's basically Joss Whedon for the way he's casting people. <laughs> Just people showing up in every show. Yeah, that's great. I think particularly over the next couple of seasons, we'll see a few people that you've seen elsewhere. But yeah, interesting to have, like, Jason Manzoukas showing up, who played um, uh, the chap who runs the perfume company, Firestein? Oh, yeah. Roger something? Yeah. Who turns up late in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but is an excellent character. And then he is, oh, is it Derek that Janet creates for herself in, in The Good Place? Yes, Derek. Yes, yeah. So he is one of the few actors who have, who's been in all three of his shows. <laughs> oh, that was the same guy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there's loads of them. We will okay. we will see them more often. <laughs> um, I had a list somewhere. The the other fairly interesting one to me was, you know, the woman who lives in the middle place. Yes. She the medium place. Sorry, she was the woman who ran the woman's um, organization that gave Ron the award in like season two. Oh yeah, you're right. Mm. I love stuff okay. like that. <laughs> I love people yeah. producing actors. <laughs> Um, okay, so that was Tom and Leslie and April. Andy had a couple of stories. He went to college. He wrote a song. He got a dog. That was kind of it. <laughs> I, I really appreciated the college story because I liked Ron saying, you know, an education is important. I will support you in doing this. I will pay for you. I thought that was very well done. But then they had a similar moment on the song, but the song was Ron bailing him out. He didn't learn anything from it. Ron just went and fixed it. And it was like, oh, great. It was really good. Wait. Back up. How did Ron fix the song? So, uh, you know the song that what am I forgetting? A- a- Andy writes the song for Leslie's campaign. 
Oh, that's right. He puts the saxophone in it. He puts the saxophone now. in it. Okay. He remixes it. He re- he reorganizes yeah. it a bit. And then yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I'm so good. And Ron then doesn't teach it. If there'd been a thing of like, oh, I don't know anything about this, but what if you try this? What if you try this? What if you try this? And giving him the chance to learn. Yeah. It was such a strange comparison to the fact the college thing was him helping him grow. Yeah, but if if Ron had tried to do it in a teaching manner, then he would have had to have revealed that he's Duke Silver and he was trying so hard not to do that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I mean, I buy it in his character that he would have done it the way that he did that. Okay. That's fair. I, I would have appreciated seeing him share that he's Duke Silver and still have to keep it secret or something. But who knows? Andy can't keep secrets. That is fair. <laughs> <laughs> the only other story I wanted to comment on I mentioned earlier was Tammy One. We finally got to meet not only Tammy One, but Tammy Zero, his mother. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I hated that storyline. Really? Yes. Run without the moustache. Oh, that was so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. That should never happen again. Why, why did you not enjoy it? I don't buy that Ron would turn into that kind of subservient man. Okay. I mean, I understand the point was that Tammy One is so commanding and strong and, you know, scary. But I just don't buy that, that Ron would do that. It seemed like they had to break his character to tell that story. And they did it just to be funny. Right. Yeah. I can see that. I do, however, love Leslie in the drinking competition. Because <laughs> her taking a, a drink might be, and I probably should turn it into a gif, it might be a better moment than Buffy taking a drink in the kids and poker <laughs> sequence <laughs> okay it's it's basically the same joke but i think amy polar sells it more <laughs> yeah yeah um i also did really like april subbing in because she wanted to <laughs> to save ron too you know and so she she jumped in and she's like okay i'm gonna take over wait i'm subbing in april no that stuff will melt the shell off a garden snail whatever i'm puerto rican i can handle it Okay. <laughs> she tried. She tried. Wonderful. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, let's get into some of the episode-specific stuff. Um, we had a tweet from uh, Anna underscore MCG. How great was Live Ammo and the West Wing Easter eggs? <laughs> no, I, I'd said to you, I know when you hit the end of the season because you will be very, very excited. So the episode Live Ammo, how great was it? Bradley Whitford is everything. Yeah. It opens with a walk and talk with Josh Lyman. Basically, Josh it does. Lyman. It really does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was watching it, because, I mean, he he looks a little bit different. Yeah, and, but... I, and I was watching it at first, and I was like, he sounds like Bradley Whitford. <laughs> Is that really Bradley Whitford? And then I rewound it, and I watched it again, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Bradley Whitford. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was it was good. Um, I actually, I expected him to be mean because all of our experiences that we've had so far of Leslie talking to other politicians have been fairly negative, Hmm. you know, because they think she's a pain in the ass and they're just trying to get rid of her. And he didn't do that. You know, he listened to her and he let her do basically whatever she wanted. And of course, that's because he was retiring and he didn't care anymore. But it was nice that he wasn't mean. Hmm. You know? Yeah, it was a good teaching moment. 
her learning that sometimes, you, and that is the crux of the West Wing, of course, that you can't please all the people all the time. Right. So you do what you can to do the best. Um, but he, even the episode title on his live, his line that we play with live ammo around here, that is, I, it might even be like episode one, the West Wing. It's certainly season one, because I think he says it to Mandy mm. before she goes off to Mandyville. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Population one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want to go rewatch that episode now and see if I can pick up on all of them. Well, there's there's one more definite one. And there's probably even more that I didn't notice. But the great one, so he's Councilman Pilner. Mm-hmm. Is it Pilner? Uh, it's Pilner or Pilsner. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say it's Pilner because that's, I think. But he um, has a memento on his desk that is a napkin that says Pilner for Pawnee. Yes. Oh, he absolutely <laughs> did. <laughs> It didn't. I didn't even pick up on that. Like I was just like, "Oh, that's really nice." Yeah. I really, I really <laughs> oh, wish there'd I been a moment it. of like, "Let Leslie be Leslie." <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> oh yeah, I need to go rewatch that episode now. Yeah, it is great. I, I thought you'd be very excited when we got there. The other thing yeah. that this season does well, it's got a few really good guest stars. So obviously Bradley Whitford is one. And he's another Michael Schur person. He is the lead character's dad on um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay. Which is always very funny when he turns up. Paul Rudd was obviously in the season. Contracted for four episodes and they make a lot of his appearances because they use his picture and uh, video of him quite a bit. His... Was he really only in four episodes? I think so. I certainly read he was contracted for that. Yeah, four episodes. So they really do make the most of him. Okay. Uh, his uh, campaign manager was Catherine Hahn. Hahn? Hain? Hahn. Hahn. Let's go with Hahn. Um, who I've only seen in a couple of things, but in very similar, very gregarious roles. She was in Bad Moms. She was very funny in that. Um, I haven't seen that yet. I would admit to it, having enjoyed the, episode, the, the film Bad Moms, <laughs> which also stars Kristen Bell. Yes, it does. And we, who we is like another... <laughs> Michael Schur person. She is indeed. Um, but she's in Transparent. She was in a few episodes of Girls, a number of other films. Uh, who else did we have this season? We had Sean Hayes. who I was surprised to see him turn up as somebody named Buddy. <laughs> yeah, such a... I'm going to say this word, and I know it's going to sound weird, but such a straight role. Not yes. a, a directly comedic <laughs> role. He just turns up and does it. He's not playing it for goofs or a prank or anything. Right. And you rarely see Sean Hayes do that. He's always very over the top, very slapsticky. Okay. And he wasn't in this episode. I think Will and Grace is the only thing I've seen him in. Okay. I've seen him in a few other things. Oh, he's in Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, which I've seen. I have no idea what it was about. I cannot remember that film. It was probably about winning a date with Tad Hamilton. Yeah. I think it had a really good joke in it. <laughs> uh, anyway. This season also had uh, Carl Reiner, which is a really good guest star, famous actor and director. Particularly, he directed um, some of the great Steve Martin vehicles, which you won't have seen. Uh, All of Me, The Jerk, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, two, The Man with Two Brains. Okay. Yeah. Who 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 did he play in Parks and Rec? Oh, he was the old uh, chap when she went after the senior citizen's grey vote. The one that she had to court and had to get his vote and then everything would be okay. You know, the one about the ramps okay. where they first introduced the new campaign manager. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's okay. the old one that they go and see. The, like, main old dude. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it didn't stick out to me, so. Okay. Well, that's that's Carl Reiner. 
very famous. He is also All the right. father of Rob Reiner, director of This Is Spinal Tap, Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, A Few Good Men, When Harry Met Sally. Yes, I do know who Rob Reiner is. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> so, commenting on some of the other episodes, um, the episode Lucky, which was the one with Sean Hayes, that was written by Nick Offerman. Really? I did not realise he'd done any writing for this. So I was very surprised by that one. Oh, and that's the... <laughs> yep. That's the one we're Ron. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> he shows up at work dressed like Tiger Woods. <laughs> yeah. I like that they don't comment on it. It is now just a character thing, but we don't need to remind the audience of it. And if you don't know, you don't need to know. Right. Yeah. It made me laugh, though. Mm. I mean, because I, I knew and I remembered. I guess that's one of the running gags now that we can put on the list. Yes. What else did I want to comment on? We've mentioned the debate. Pawnee Rangers. So the one where he has his sort of scout-esque troop and she has her girl guides-esque troop. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first episode of Parks and Rec that I saw. Oh, really? Because I turned it on and it was the bit with Jerry and uh, Chris meeting Jerry's daughter and him going to lunch with them. And I can remember watching it going, holy crap, that's Rob Lowe. <laughs> Okay. I should watch this. I really like Rob, Rob Lowe. Uh-huh. And then it went into Treat Yourself. Treat Yourself is the best thing ever. Nutella. T-Mobile. Three words for you. Treat yourself. Treat yourself 2011. Once a year, Donna and I spend a day treating ourselves. What do we treat ourselves to? Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. Mimosas. Treat yourself. Fine leather goods. Treat yourself. It's the best day of the year. The best day of the year! Now, I I assume you'd seen this before, because this is a a very gift moment. No. Really? You hadn't seen anything about Treat Yourself? Really? No, I mean, I've heard the phrase before, and and, and even now, I don't know if it comes from Parks and Rec or if it predates Parks and Rec, Um, but Treat Yourself is a thing. You know, I mean, I've even been saying it for the last year or so, and I just never really know where it came from. And and so I really, really, really liked it. It was, yeah, it was great. I, I'm very surprised it's introduced here because I was sure there was an earlier moment of it in a previous season that just introduced the concept. And then it was sort of the second time we went to it that it had been buying the Batman suit. But no, that's the yeah. first introduction is, is them going overboard and him going to a geek store. <laughs> yeah it was great I, one I love that they involve Ben mm. I love that, that Donna is, is is so kind enough to say he needs to be cheered up so let's bring him along and I love that he buys a Batman suit yeah <laughs> his, his whole thing through that it's such good character writing that he just can't have the the you know fiscal irresponsibility to buy something ridiculous or to enjoy mm-hmm. a spa visit because that's not him. That's not how he would unwind. Right. Mm. And, and the bit where he then gets the uh, acupuncture in his face and you can see how tense he is. He's just like, I have never been this stressed. <laughs> <laughs> like his whole body is shaking. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> that That is probably one of my favorite bits of the season, I think. Um, the whole sequence, obviously, but that is a, a great great moment yeah hmm. well I, I i'm getting the sense that you are on the edge wanting to gush about this so what are some of your favorite moments of the season i uh, so many so many okay john ralphio mm. is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous i've never liked this character 
So how is it that John Ralphio is the one who gives Ben good advice about taking a job or not? Yeah. Please tell me how that's actually a thing. <laughs> he says, why don't you use that time to go after one of your passions, like model trains or toy Gandalfs or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is John Ralphio giving really good advice to Ben. Mm. It's mind-blowing. I loved it. It was great. I, I do like the now running gag of Ben sticking up for nerd culture even whilst they try and denigrate it yeah and him being like no no game of thrones is a thing everyone watches it (laughs) (laughs) the the christmas gifts not only did i really really love the christmas gifts that leslie got for everybody because they're so personalized and so thoughtful but i loved that everybody came together and built that gingerbread model of the office for her Mm. Because it combined all of the things that she loves the most. It was so sweet. Yeah. And so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Valentine's Day, <laughs> the scavenger hunt <laughs> that, oh my God, I wouldn't have been able to figure out. But Ron loved it so much. And you wouldn't expect that for Ron. And then at the end, you know, when he's telling Leslie, you know, my birthday's coming up and I absolutely do not want this. And then he slinks back in. He's like, no, I really do want this. I loved it. Do we think she knew that he wanted it and she was playing it cool? Yes. Okay. Good. I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. The whole the whole idea of this group of people who were thrown together because they work together becoming that found family that I love so much and volunteering to be Leslie's campaign team. April Ludgate. Youth Outreach and Director of New Media. Tom Haverford, Image Consultant, Swagger Coach. Ann Perkins, Office Manager and Volunteer Coordinator. Andy Dwyer, Security, Suites, Body Man, Javelin, if need be. Donna Meagle, Transpo, AKA Rides in My Benz. Well, you guys didn't tell me we were doing this. I I did not know that I was supposed to come up with something. Ron Swanson. Any other damn thing you might need. I almost had tears in my eyes in that episode. You know, at at the end, after they give her the the gingerbread office and everything, and then they start saying their names and what they're going to do, like, as part of the campaign. And it's just wonderful. And then it gets to Ron, and and Ron says, any other damn thing you might need. And I'm just like, this is so wonderful. They love her so much. It's great. But... Um, Leslie does eventually understand that uh, Anne should not be her campaign manager. And despite the quote-unquote sex scandal, Ben needs to be her campaign manager because this team has a lot of heart and zero Mm know-how. I thought that was a great line and sums it up so perfectly. Yeah. I really, really, really loved April. Basically, everything April did this season, I loved. and, And we've talked about that a lot. And while it was weird that April started to be nice, in the episode where they did the campaign calls, she wanted to crush Chris's joy. And I thought that was amazing because that that's just so like her. You know, she decides that she has to win to crush his joy. And so she starts doing all of these accents and different characters when she's on the phone trying to get all this money. And it was so funny. I think one of them, she, she tries to be Southern. And she says... <laughs> 
Well, I reckon it's just like Grammy Murtha told me and my cousins. You can't eat the biscuits if you don't pay for the flour. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that even mean? <laughs> but then she's so nice, and she buys a third ticket and gives them to Chris so that Chris, April, and Andy can go to the movies together and be friends. Aww. And it's just full circle, and it's great. Yeah. <sighs> and then the last thing I'm going to gush about. Okay was the beautiful moment where they 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 pulled everything back and they went completely serious when Leslie voted for herself. And she's standing there in that booth with tears in her eyes because it's just like her whole life has been leading up to this. And it was beautiful and I loved it. Mm. I was really worried they were going to turn it into her and Ben falling out because he's told her this thing that he's been offered a job and he's ruined her moment or something. But they actually mm -hmm. let her have her moment. Yeah. And then Bobby comes in and asks her about it and she's actually nice to him and yeah, it's it's done so perfectly. Like you say, very, it was. It very was really quietly. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and with the cameras still at a bit of distance from her. It was it was nice. Mm. The the mockumentary style um was very downplayed this season, I think. We didn't get a huge amount of that. The the uh, talking to camera, the looks at the camera. Yeah, we did still get a few of the looks to the camera, oh, yeah. but no, it's not gone. But, but very, very few directly talking to the camera. Mm. I'm sure there were a few. There is one that I absolutely love, which is um, when they're on the bus tour and Andy's giving them all names because he's in charge of security, and every person <laughs> he gives a name, they get to have a reaction. And they yeah. basically react to the camera. And it's. The, I think this might have been one of the first gifts that I saw as well that may turn me on to the show. Maybe go, okay, this looks quite funny. Where he just goes through and he's like, you can address me as Eagle One. Anne, been there, done that. April, currently doing that. Donna, it happened <laughs> once in a dream. Chris, if I had to pick a dude. And Ben is Eagle Two. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and all of them have a look at the camera, a smile, a high five, something. Yeah. Great. Um, that same episode, I really, really liked that Andy did figure out that the pie was meant for Ben, mm. but not in time to stop it. No. Yeah. Because <laughs> so Ben still gets pied. I loved it. It was great. The whole sequence of just pushing the pie onto Jerry's head. It's <laughs> excruciating. <laughs> no, don't close your eyes. <laughs> Oh, and I think even Jerry had, like, some sound effects, like... Uh... Uh, yeah, he's trying to lean away from it, like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. You were saying about basically everything from, Anne, uh, from April this season, and I do love yeah. at the end of uh, the end of the world where she and Andy go to the Grand Canyon, and they drive for hours and hours and hours, and they're just standing looking at the, at the Grand Canyon, and, and she has a line, something like... It's so much more beautiful than I could have ever even imagined. Yeah. I'm trying to find a way to be annoyed by it, but coming up empty. I'm trying to find a way to be annoyed by it. Mm -hmm. And it's a perfect character thing, but it is. Yes, this is a grand canyon. This is something you are never going to see again in the world. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's a very nice moment. But I think Ben is, is the standout of the season. Like I say, the, the geek culture, um, very much in tune with me. Like he plays everything very straight, but he is also very into this stuff. Mm -hmm. I love him being stressed out and then eventually buying the Batman suit but then breaking down and Donna's like Batman is crying <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Uh, 
But when he's unemployed and he's indulging in his hobbies and his passions, it's not sad, but it is also like, oh, come on, dude, pull it together. You know, he's doing, he's wearing a Letters to Cleo t-shirt. Um, <laughs> he is making a stop motion film that he's put it days into and it's only several seconds long. And he's come up with the idea for the low cow cow zone zone. <laughs> Which is literally the best idea I've ever heard. <laughs> like I do. <laughs> it's I, a terrible idea. Yeah, I like a cow zone, but I like a pizza more. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was another use of uh, Chris Traeger talking directly to the camera. Because it was right after that, he's looking at the camera and he says, it's a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that is yeah. one of my favorite running gags is him and cow zone. I will, I will spoil that there is more of that coming but okay. it was the one i was thinking about when we talked about running gags last episode because season three there's a bit with him and leslie having dinner and she's got uh, spaghetti carbonara or, or something on those lines and he's got a calzone and there's just a moment of him going oh i love calzones mm-hmm. i was like oh oh they really subtly set it up yeah. So when I talk about that, there's a few things they mention but never deliver on for for a good long time. That's the sort of thing I mean. We also just had okay. a note of Ben Hart Calzone, <laughs> <laughs> and even in this season there was a a point where there was a character's name on their desk. The, the desk was empty. They were just in in uh, an office, and that's a character who will come in, but they've obviously already got an idea of the name of the people they're going to be using. I was just like, wait. That character doesn't get introduced yet. He's much later on. Okay. They've also got a list of all the names they've used and the people in different situations. <laughs> were, were there any running things that you've picked up on? Anything you enjoyed? Um, I forgot that I was supposed to be looking for those things. <laughs> um, and so the, the only one that really stood out to me was uh, Ron's red shirt. Right, okay. And, of course, Donna's still with her bins. Yes, and she crashes it on purpose for Leslie. Yes. Yes, that's good. I appreciated that. Mm. But yeah, other than that, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, John Ralphio's character is a running gag. Yeah, yeah. The uh, couple that I saw throughout the season, Waffles, are now a big part of this show. Oh, the, yeah. The constant going for waffles, her having whipped cream. The, the bit where she's too sad to have whipped cream, then she says, no, this is ridiculous. I need more whipped cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even Ben's like, are you sure you have enough whipped cream on that waffle? Yeah. And I think we only got one reference to libraries in this season, but it's in her stump, stump speech where she says, uh, it's something on the lines of, and I promise we will abolish libraries in Pawnee. Okay, I thought I was crazy when I heard that because everybody cheered. (laughs) I was like, that's not really what she said. (laughs) Wonderful. And it's just that they hate hate libraries and they like eating bad food for them. (laughs) So actually, really interesting tweet yesterday of someone talking about being aware of fat shaming jokes in shows and that when you're sharing a show quite often that's the thing that people don't notice and that Parks and Rec is a a, a bad one for it and I was like that's really interesting I haven't noticed it and it's very much about how the one who is mocked and clumsy is the big dude and the fact that Pawnee is fourth in obesity in the US and I think it's more that the show isn't mocking a, a fat person or fat people but it is making a joke out of people being fat. Yeah. 
That's true. But I can kind of accept it because it is a problem in Western civilization in general. <laughs> the the excess of food and excess of food that is bad for you. Yeah. I, I don't look at it as being problematic because if it was problematic, then they would also mock Donna and make her be mm. clumsy and like stereotypically fat. Yeah. Constantly dieting, constantly struggling with it. Yes. Mm. Um, but she is a very strong, confident woman, and it's it, it's not something that ever comes up. She is just who she is. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think with Jerry, it never even occurred to me that, that the way they treat him is because of his size. Hmm. It's just because he is the old man. Yeah. In in the group, you know, and, and he's he's just Jerry. So I I. Uh, yeah, I, I never would have picked up on that either, but I, I, I do see the point, mm. you know, especially with, with the whole Sweetums thing. and Yeah, like it, it is a thing they go to, but also, yeah, it is a problem that should be talked about. And the show is also very positive about eating waffles and eating food you enjoy and having it, but also working out and having salads or the, the Chris Traeger excess of it. But mm-hmm. mm. Yeah, I just found it an interesting thing. I'd, I'd never really picked up on it in that way. And I think part of it was... There is some sensitivity, so you sometimes pick up on it more than you might otherwise. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about season four of Parks and Rec? Do you have any predictions coming out of this? Any hopes or expectations for the next season? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Let's let's recap where we finished. She is elected. Ben is going to work in the capital. Um, Andy possibly wants to be a policeman security type person. April's in charge of the department and is on her own again. Hmm. Okay. So I think that Leslie and Ben are going to struggle with a long distance relationship, but they're going to make it work. I think Anne and Chris are going to dally about trying to be together again, which annoys me. Hmm. And I think... That Andy is going to flunk out of Police Academy. Okay. <laughs> because he's Andy? Yes, okay. because he's Andy. That's what I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. We shall see. One other thing that I did just want to point out. In the last episode, I had mentioned my frustration that Anne had changed so much for Chris when they were dating. And I was very pleasantly surprised that in one of the early episodes of this season, they specifically called that out mm. when Anne was having a conversation with Chris. And she was like, dude, I started running for you. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. They acknowledged it and they, you know, are acknowledging that it's a problem. And that that was just really nice. I really appreciated that from the writing. Yeah. it. I think it might even be the first episode where they filmed that thing together, the PSA. And it's just... Diabetes. Yeah. It, it, it's really good because it helps the character move on. Yeah. So we are definitely going to continue doing Punks of Rec. Uh, we asked last time whether people thought we should go to another show or do something different. Um, we were very grateful to hear from people who want us to continue. Um, Carrie at We Do Words. Because I currently have no way of watching Parks and Rec, listening to your episodes on it, especially all the quotes and fave moments, etc., makes me laugh and fills a little Sebastian-sized hole in my heart. So you have my vote to continue with it. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. Little Sebastian's eyes told him heart. Little Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also Jen at IU Girl Jen. She said, absolutely keep going on Parks and Rec. They are some of her favorite 
uh, pop culturally deprived episodes. So never fear, we will continue to do this. Yeah. For the foreseeable future until we're done, um, which I'm really excited about because I am really loving this show. Good. All right. Well, if you'd like to have your thoughts featured on the show, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. You can also email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com, or you can leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash eloquentgushing. You can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Vose. We are 100% funded by listeners like you through Patreon. Anything you can give, even $1 a month, gives access to exclusive content, whilst also helping to support the network and develop other shows. To find out more, visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we're on Spotify now, so if you want to have a one-stop shop for streaming and listening to the episodes for all the Eloquent Gushing shows, uh, go up and look us up on Spotify. If you want to keep up to date with the latest news and announcements, remember to subscribe to the weekly newsletter. The link is on our homepage, eloquentgushing.com. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about the Farscape miniseries, The Peacekeeper Wars. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And I'll calculate her. Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.